Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. The final podcast of the 2017-2018 season, guys. It's been an epic week, an epic season. What did you guys do last weekend while we were watching Serie A's final weekend? Well, I uh, had my first uh, uh, trip to Austin, Texas to attend a wedding for uh, the girl who actually trained me to be a tour guide in Rome. And uh, I guess all I have to say is uh, Austin is awesome. Um, it's hot. Uh, shout out to Spring and Dawn. Congratulations on uh, on getting married. And shout out to Marco at Numero Ventoto in Austin for trying to find the Roma Sassuolo game. But we uh, both he was a, he's a Milanista, and there there's the intro TFR game. So we had a, a hate off on. Um, on who we wanted to see go down, and my hate was stronger than his, watching, uh, spoiler alert, OTFR go down. But probably the, mo- the craziest thing was coming back. Uh, the, we were on a plane that uh, the air conditioning went out on from Austin to Houston, sat on it for three hours, flew to Houston, didn't land in Houston, flew around it a couple times, then flew back to Austin because we were almost about to run out of fuel. Couple other mishaps, a lot of sweating, a lot of cursing, um, and uh, long story short, landed in BWI at 2:30 in the morning. So I'm a little wrecked on this one. I kind of wish they had diverted us to San Antonio because I read today that a monkey got loose um, in the San Antonio airport. So at least we could have some some entertainment besides, you know, a ruin, ruin United Airlines uh, name. But uh, yeah, it was. Wonderful, ended on a bad note, but I'm excited to be potting again. You kept Austin weird, and I guess you kept the state of Texas weird, if uh, if uh, I saw that news report correctly. Yeah, yeah, and Leslie bought cowboy boots, and I bought a cowboy hat, so I'm 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 ready to go. That's gonna be my new that's gonna be my new Roma Club DC hat. Perfect for DC. <laughs> Marco, especially my neighborhood. <laughs> Marco, how about you? A pretty big uh, event in the Charla household. How was your weekend? Yeah, absolutely. It was my mom's 60th, and we had a nice cookout. Tad, I'm glad to see that, you know, every place you go, you're like a chameleon, man. You come back from Italy, you're Italian. You come back from Texas wearing a, a cowboy hat, you're Texan. It's, uh, it's, it's really impressive what you do there, the way you're able to morph. Um, but, yeah, we just had our uh, mom's 60th birthday. All the friends and family were there, and we had been planning it for, you know, a little while course in dc this week rain every single day torrential downpours and flooding all throughout the city my mom was going to cancel earlier on the week i said mom it's dc don't cancel four days out it it could be sunny on on sunday i know the weather forecast is is looking down Uh, so she didn't cancel and sunday perfect weather it really worked out so this was after the otfr loss it was just the perfect day. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, I'm glad the weather, man. Uh, being down in the south here, guys, what was the temperature up on Sunday? Oh, man. Well, it was 100 like... million degrees in Austin, Texas. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. It was the surface of the sun. 
Yeah, I don't. Well, you you could definitely you could definitely uh, you know cut through the air in DC. It was it was super hot, but since it had been raining all week, I mean it was it was thick. The air was thick for sure. Super super hot, super humid. All right. Well, bon compleano for uh, Senora Charla. Uh, happy to uh, hear that that was a good birthday party up there in the D.C. area. I actually uh, read some news about the D.C. area, guys. Uh, I'm curious how, how if this is uh, making the airwaves up there. Ovechkin's Meals. Um, it's Caps Lightning. Uh, game 7 tomorrow down in Tampa Bay. Uh, but uh, Mama Lucia, which is a restaurant in the uh, Italian restaurant up in the D.C. area, Apparently, his home game prep meals is just this god-awful, disgusting, 7,000-calorie uh, monstrosity that uh, apparently he goes into the uh, mess halls for the Caps games and just starts screaming, Mama Lucia, Mama Lucia. Um, did you guys uh, see anything about this? Everyone's kind of uh, uh, still losing their mind. Uh, like I said, I wasn't here, still losing their mind from them winning last night. Um, but all I got to say about that is, Apparently, Mama Lucia turns her hair gray, and he probably needs all those carbs to uh, 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 make sure those legs and butt are as thick as they are, as, as they stay on on good old Ovechkin. He's a he's a big boy. Yeah, it's a it's an Italian takeover here in the in the sports <laughs> realm in DC. You got hockey with Mama Lucia's. You got football with Paisanos. I'll tell you, man, it's it's uh, it's fully authentic in DC here. Yeah, we're still trying to find an Italian restaurant, though, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, Mama Lucia's is uh, is good pizza. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. All right, so we got last weekend set up, guys. How about Memorial Day weekend coming up here, kicking off summer? Marco, you're heading north. What are you up to? Going to Nantucket. Going in, tuck it with a, a bunch of guys. Uh, it's going to be a wild weekend. It's supposed to be freezing, but of course it wouldn't be Memorial Day weekend uh, in the Northeast if it, the temperature didn't drop down to 55 degrees. Uh, but we're still going to have a good time. I mean, we're going to make the best of it, of course. I think there's going to be a little bit of drinking during that Champions League game. That's right. That's coming up. Tad, uh, what do you got for Memorial Day weekend? Is uh, Champions League on your on your list? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, not traveling. Uh, a staycation is definitely in the way, and it's 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 all about Liverpool and the Champions League. I'm finally deciding to stop being mad at them for knocking out Roma, and they're going to come back and take the rightful position um, uh, about uh, is my second favorite team. Uh, everything else going on that weekend is basically a, a is a, I care about as much as Adam Rippon winning Dancing with the Stars. Not at all. <laughs> Who? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's uh, enjoy your apparently staycation. My apparently, my push notifications really wanted me to know that. Yeah. Well, uh, glad to hear that uh, you'll have uh, some fun for uh, Liverpool there, Tad. Hopefully, we lost to the best team in Champions League. You'll never walk alone. So, good luck to Liverpool there. I'll be. Uh, checking out the South Carolina or the North Carolina shore and definitely checking out the Champions League game. So it's uh, going to be a soccer weekend here uh, down in the Carolinas as well. I wonder if it's a Carolina coast. It can't be like D.C. where uh, uh, you have one bridge that takes you to the only beach yeah. and it'll take you 500 hours to get. By the time you get there, you have to turn around and come back. Yeah, too I'm, many beaches, man. Too to many beaches. Yeah, looking forward to it. I've never been down there to the shore, so uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited to check it out. All right, but before we get to the weekend, we had an epic 
finish to the Serie A season, guys. It really was an awesome, awesome way to end a full year of covering Serie A. Great game between Inter and OTFR to close it out. We will start it off with the rundown for the final time. There you have it, Curve Americans. The 2017-2018 second season of Curve America is a wrap. Spoiler alert, Juve wins the league yet again. While Napoli and Roma cap historic seasons domestically and internationally. Inter pulls off the season's last week miracle. And OTFR and Milan will play in Europa next year. Well, maybe. Sorry, Milanisti. It is up in question. We'll get to that later. Ciao for now, Crotone. A little tear for me and Crouton Nation. Hellas, Verona, and Benevento all going down to Serie B. And Benvenuti, Empoli, Parma, and a to-be-determined team in the playoffs. So we still got one team that's going to make it. We will see how that turns out. We want to remind everybody, we have social media. You can find Curve America on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Curve America, all one word. This podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, ASROMA360.com, CurveAmerica.com, wherever your favorite podcast can be found. Guys, once they find us, Tad, what should they do? Okay, don't know how much it helps us. Podcast is free. If you like it, please subscribe, rate, and comment. All right. Cheers to that. Any beers being drunk tonight, guys? Uh, per the use, I drank all the beer in Texas. So I'm back on back on the Aquafresante wagon. I know it's going to be cold in Nantucket, but I got to I gotta maintain the figure just in case we get that ray of sunshine out. All right. So no beers. I'm actually drinking, I, I got to tell you guys, Stoke iced coffee. It's fantastic. I, mean, I can't stop drinking it. It's like slow brew. So I'm enjoying that tonight. So for all the podcast paisani out there, whatever you're drinking, we hope you can sit back, relax, enjoy the podcast as we kick off the final time, week 38 in the Serie A. Up first, we have a meaningless game. <laughs> Juventus and Hellas Verona, relegated team versus the first place Scudetto winners. This one finished 2-1 in Juve's favor. The season ends with Juve dispatching relegated Verona for Gigi Buffon's last game for the old lady. We kind of talked about Juve's Scudetto last week. Uh, so, Tad, just what did you think about uh, Juve and, and uh, what's going on with them? Well, first of all, you know, just we talked a lot about last week about Juve's winning mentality, and they're not even they're not going to let Ellis Verona come up and take any points from them. They throw out the team and and, and put them down. Um, but the big the big story here is it's the last game for Gigi Buffon in the white and black jersey, and you know, it's definitely the mega mega retirement of this year, maybe, maybe overshadowed by pa- uh, Pablo Cannavaro. I don't know, uh, who's not even the best player in his family. Um, but yeah, I mean, last year we did Toti and reflected on our feelings and the impact that he had on uh, the Serie A and uh, on his, his hometown team. But, uh, you know, what, what do you guys have to say about the career of Gigi Buffon at Juventus? This guy is pure class. You know, if it wasn't enough that he's won so much and, you know, and, and made some of the most incredible saves, even a World Cup under his belt, it's just his his passion and his his likability, honestly. It makes him so unique. I mean, how many players can you look at 
and through a television fall in love with just the way they, they smile. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. I know that sounds a little cheesy, but that is how I feel about Buffon. I feel like he's everybody's favorite uncle, and it's just something about him. He's got an aura that just transmits through the the, te- the TVs and, and just gets everybody in their heart. Even if you are a, you know, you hate Juve through and through, Buffon is just a legend and just, you know, just so much more than just a goalkeeper. Yeah, that, I really kind of agree with your sentiment, Marco, that just, I know he wears Juve and we're all Roma fans, but there, there's a presence about him that uh, you appreciate his skill, his, uh, his career for how long it's been here. Uh, so credit to him for uh, you know going out in style here. I thought Juve kind of handled it well, uh, given how we saw the whole Toti saga go on last year. Seems like he's not done either. He's going to find another team here, but um, I, I found it easy to root for Gigi, uh, e- even as a Roma fan. Yeah, Marco, I think you hit it, the nail on the head in the sense that Juventus is by far the most hated team, most followed and hated team um, in the Serie A. And all these stalwarts, you know, you can always find somebody who has a bad thing to say about him. Marchisio, Chiellini, Barzaghi, uh, you know, Bonucci for a long spell. Pirlo was pretty well beloved, but you never heard anybody say a bad thing. You, you never heard anybody credible be like, oh, man, I hate Buffon. I mean, he's like the Dave Grohl of the Serie A. Like, even if you're not, even not, even not a fan of Foo Fighters, like, Dave Grohl is awesome. I want to, you know, I, I, I want to hang out with that guy. So... He is the one guy in the Serie A I'm sad to see go because I would want to have just a, just a, share a nice bottle of red with him. But as uh, uh, Chris was alluding to earlier, uh, he might be not done with his career. And the you know latest reports coming out is he's close to a two-year deal with PSG. And anybody who listens to this podcast knows how much we love to speculate on, uh, on transfer rumors. So... I am going to uh, uh, try and start a new thing here. We're going to call this the trash meter rating as to how big of a piece of trash do you think this, this news is coming out. And the, the spectrum is going to be, you know, like guest bathroom waste bin on the low end all the way up to the Great Pacific garbage patch. That's twice the size of te- Texas in the Pacific. What do you guys think? How trash is this rumor? Oh, man, this, this is bad. This is bad. I mean, you know, just when you think that, you know, things, players like Buffon are as pure as they get. You know, you you hear reports on BN that, you know, Buffon's agents are in Paris. So I think it's a little bit more than just rating the rumor. Let's just talk about, like, the possibility of this happening. Because, you know, when I hear agents are going, uh, flying to different cities, like, it doesn't sound like somebody who's trying to retire from the game. Uh, and so I personally think that no matter where he goes, it would be kind of trash. Unless it's like MLS or some place that, you know, you want to be a global ambassador of the game. But if it's to go win uh, with a team like PSG, I mean, why the, why would you leave Juvim of, to, to go win more? Like, well, I don't understand. Uh, was your time up with Juve? Like, did you not just win the league and and almost get you know through the Champions League uh, you know pretty far again? It doesn't make any sense, and it would just be absolutely terrible if Buffon went to another European giant. That's where I am with it. I don't think he's going to go in somewhere in Europe. I, I think uh, 
if there's any chance that a team he would go to is going to play Juve in Champions League, he's not going to go there. I just I don't think he would do that to Juve either. So I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's headed for MLS, thinking uh, down in South Florida, uh, maybe working with uh, Beckham's team, something like that. Um, that's, that's where I think he'll go. I'm agreeing with you both, guys. I'm going to rate this dumpster behind an Indian restaurant trash. Uh, big news for uh, uh, the old lady, though, as they go into their next season. It looks like Allegri, a lot of speculation in his future throughout the entire season. He's going to do the boring and sensible thing and stay put in Juventus. So they got you know, the guy who's helmed them to the last uh, four Scudettos. Um, you know, what moves do you think uh, uh, he's going to make going into next season is he going to you know try and do a big splash or kind of do what he did last uh, uh, transfer uh, and you know get a diamond in the rough like Diego Costa for a deeper, deeper bench you know keep it on the team he has what do you guys think that Allegri's thoughts are going into next season well i think there's going to be one massive signing and i think we already know that Caldara's coming from Atalanta Spinazzola um, I know that he just tore his uh, his ACL, um, but he was supposed to be up in the docket. So the defense it looks pretty pretty good. I mean, Rugani showed that he was a, a solid player. Um, you know, I think Kellini's still going to be there. Uh, so there's going to be that leadership. Where they need a massive signing is in the midfield, and I know they're bringing in Emre Can. Uh, you know, I know they're going to reinforce that way. It's for me, it's either Milinkovic Savic or Verratti. One of these two players coming, uh, you know, is just going to be the absolute, absolute super superstar purchase. Um, but I'm definitely seeing Juventus doing moving mountains during this next transfer window, and uh, unfortunately, maybe one of the pieces of of the transfer uh, saga would probably be DiBala making moves. That's just my prediction. It's Juve; they're going to make big moves. I hate the transfer market, but uh, I think that they're very unhappy with how they went out in champions league they're not in the final they're going to retool to make sure they get back into the champions league final so chris for you who was uh who is the coach of the year between allegri and sorry this season it's very easy davide nicola <laughs> forza crotone i uh, no between those two sorry uh you know we'll get to napoli here but uh you know, Juve's kind of like the Yankees of just like, here's the keys to a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW. Just don't wreck it. Um, you know, the, the stuff Napoli did and on top of how they played, I still continue to say that the greatest highlight, the most fun I had was covering the Napoli games. Uh, I think Napoli deserves a lot of credit for uh, Sorry, de- deserves a lot of credit for that. He gets uh, any award for Coach of the Year for me. So you bring up... Uh, uh... Ellis, all thing we have to say about him. You bring up Crotone, that just leads right into Ellis. They are relegated. I think the uh, the verdict on the season was a Serie A jersey in a, on a Serie A B team. So, arrivederci, Ellis. Yep. Uh, there's not much more to say on that. We lose a derby. Uh, unfortunately, we, uh, we couldn't have had a Serie A B jersey because derby because uh, I don't think any of us here would have minded uh, uh, Kievo going down either. So, uh, at least one team down from Verona Verona going down. We will keep rolling on here, guys, to the second game. Napoli and Crotone. This is a tough one for me, guys. I'll try to get through it without crying. It's finished 2-1, Napoli's favor. Crotone's going down. 
We will start with Napoli because it, it is worth celebrating, guys. They got 91 points on the season, which really just taking a step back, that is an incredible mark. And on top of that, it wasn't enough to win the Serie A title. They came up four points short. So some perspective here. Uh, De Laurentiis in the locker room afterwards, spraying champagne after this one. I'm curious what you guys think. Is uh, we, we knew going into the final weekend that they weren't going to catch Juve. There wasn't much on the line for them. Is uh, heading into the locker room, spraying champagne, acting like you won something big, too much for you guys? Too much celebration for second place? Well, for ADL's purposes, you know, I think he's got a vision for the future on this team. And uh, that, unfortunately, involves keeping the team intact. I think he's trying to keep the optimism in the locker room. Uh, he knows that his team's cashing in some more Champions League money. Uh, they were able to be shrewd uh, throughout this last two transfer windows, uh, and that includes the winter one. So I think he's got some plans uh, for Napoli. The thing that would really hinder his plans is if everybody just started running away like Sarri, you know, Mertens. We're already seeing some reports on Hamsik potentially leaving to go to China, which, you know, put that up there with the Buffon going to PSG in the trash meter like your captain making moves like that. Jeez. So I think ADL really just trying to keep the optimism up in the locker room. But I think un- underneath his uh, his his big beard, he's uh, he's shaking a little bit. Yeah, I think it's appropriate for them. I know that it, this is going to be a, a tough pill to swallow. Uh, uh for Napoli fans and the team and everybody because they went all in and they you know they threw both the champions in Europa League and, and the Coppa Italia for the singular goal but you know they did have the best season uh, without winning a title Napoli's ever had you know I think about in this one uh, it, it would be kind of like the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights who just made the Stanley Cup final um, in their inaugural season if they don't win the Stanley Cup, I think they have every reason in the world to uh, to celebrate just like Napoli on this one. I mean, here's the thing, Tad. Uh, 91 points in the season, it's great. But uh, nobody remembers second place. And the only reason why people remember second place a couple years ago is because Higuain was the top goal scorer in the league, broke all the records, scored a bicycle kick in the last game. Unfortunately, I just don't think that this uh, – 91 points is really going to do much for for the Napoli players, uh, knowing that they went all in, sacrificing all the other cups, uh, you know, in order to to achieve a goal that they weren't able to achieve. I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying there. And I think the only place where you might be touching on uh, it correctly is that uh, maybe the Napoli players aren't feeling it um, because they all made a big sacrifice. But at the end of the day, um, they contributed to you know one of the great seasons in Serie A's history, and uh, I think they have a right maybe just for for one second to uh, uh, to bust out the, the the pizza party and uh, <laughs> and and chug champagne either to nurse their wounds or to celebrate. Well, post game guys, uh, De Laurentiis said in the locker room while he's spraying the champagne, "I'm very happy. What more can I do? Go and steal." which uh, I thought was fair. Like, as, from his perspective, like, <laughs> we got 91 points. Uh, what, you know, Juve's tough to beat, but they were four points away, and that is a lot of points on a season. Uh, he thanked Sari, he thanked the players, and I thought particularly guys from us here in the States here, 
he thanked the fans all around the world, not just in Napoli. So, you know, a little bit of uh, credit for the people who follow Serie A. And, and you know, we know people um, uh, who, who are Napoli fans here in the States. Uh, I thought that was cool. The Sari saga itself is going to continue, no doubt about it. Um, uh, there's already people meeting with uh, uh, De Laurentiis. Um, um, Ancelotti is apparently reportedly uh, in a three-hour meeting with him today, and that's going to continue tomorrow. So uh, it does seem like Sari's going to go, um, but but we'll see. And and it looks uh, unfortunately like uh, there, there's going to be a lot of people leaving uh, uh, Napoli. Yeah, I mean, if if ADL's objective by trying to paint a nice picture with the champagne at the end of the season, he's sure playing his part to crash the singing in the mountain, and it looks like everyone's bracing for the for the dynamite um, that is going to be blasted. And the best thing ADL can do is position himself to kind of contain that explosion. Uh, Hamsick. Looking like he might take big money to go to China, or at least just saying things openly in the media that he might, you know, Napoli might not be the place for him. Um, and then meeting with ADL for three hours, I think he's sending a clear message, and that's going to be tough uh, for Sorry to to overcome and and want to stay with this team. So he's hedging his bets on another great coach. So taking a moment, congrats to Napoli in the sense of it, it really was a, a pleasure to watch them all season long. Uh, they finished in second. Um, a lot of uh, big questions heading into the summer for them, but uh, uh, a pretty impressive uh, season on their part. On the other side of the ball, guys, Crouton Nation, we mourn for thee. I got to start off with this, guys. Uh, so on their social media message, you know how here in the States, when whenever a team gets knocked out of the playoffs or something, they'll say, thank you, fans, on their social media or something. Crotone, on the other hand, they just put up an enormous like logo of Crotone, of their logo, and then wrote an enormous Arrivederci, <laughs> which was just, oh, it's just soul crushing for, for being with them. And just to see them write that up there, it was uh, that was tough. Ultimately. Yeah, they're like a sixteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old who got dumped by their girlfriend. Just, yeah. uh, uh, just, just completely heartbroken right now, and and there are no words except for a very somber, uh, passive-aggressive meeting to, uh, message to to the to Crouton Nation. Yeah, just just letting the world just wallow in pain with them for putting it on social media. Hundred percent. Ultimately, even if they did win this game, which would have been miraculous against Napoli, it wasn't going to matter because all the other results were not in their favor. They were going to get relegated. So, honestly, that kind of softens the blow a little bit. Um, the 90th minute, Tuminello did get a goal, but it kind of made it worse because you got to wait another year for, for a Serie A goal down in Calabria. So, uh, that, that stunk. Uh, but then Ilmister Zenga, he's compared it to the whole experience to feeling dead, like being stabbed. And uh, this is the guy who brought who was brought on after Davide Nicola, he, Nicola, the one who walked out after too much owner presence in the locker room. So didn't get the job done for Zenga. Um, it's two years. The experience being they they were fought every minute of uh, the past two seasons. Two years and, and a bit of luck, uh, the, the story being they didn't control their fate by themselves in Week 38 either of those two years. Last year it worked out for them. This year it didn't. And I'm sad to see him go because we've, we've talked about it a lot, that you know Crotone was one team that 
They didn't walk into any building in Syria and give up. They were going to fight Juventus. They were going to fight Roma, whoever the big teams were. And I got to give them credit for that because there's a lot of middle pack teams that, that don't do that. So, Crotone, I will pour one out for you guys tonight. I hope you get back. Forza Pitagorici until next year. Amen to that. Yeah, and we also have to say goodbye to the Syria's greatest uh, 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 skybox, the hospital above the pitch. That's right, man. It's just little stories like that. We're going to have to wait. Um, maybe it's my Sicilian roots connecting with Calabria as well, but uh, we will miss them. Uh, they were a lot of fun to watch. I uh, hope they do well in Serie B and get back up. Next game, guys, Roma Sassuolo. This one finished one nothing. Roma taking care of business. All Roma fans were watching two games this this Sunday, and probably, Mark, I don't know if you agree, but we wasn't too worried about this one. We were really watching the other game that we're, we're going to cover next. That's true, um, and we talk about Roma securing third, and of course that's important, you know, you especially if OTFR were to have won that game, you wouldn't want OTFR to have the bragging rights over Roma. And it just so happens to be that we took care of business, and... Now we have the ultimate bragging rights. Some of the memes coming out of Rome uh, in the last uh, three days have been absolutely hilarious. There's one of Thoughty holding up the Champions League uh, little note card for the selection of the teams. And it's like OTFR playing against like the like the the nun squad, you know, in, <laughs> in, in the in one of like the, the church teams and stuff like that. So it's honestly uh, it's it's been amazing to see all this stuff it's been hilarious and Manolas this game he forces the keeper to uh, score an own goal but it just kind of led me to start thinking you know there's a couple of these players on the Roma team that before the season the last couple seasons have really fetched some really big price tags and uh, you know they're part of the core now so you know what happens with Manolas Nangolan and Strutman you know again they I think they have these pillars on the team that you can build around. Uh, but a lot of them are at the, their point in their career where it's, you know, if you don't make a move now, when do you do it? And so I guess my question to, to you guys, since you guys are Roma fans too, is, you know, are we feeling pretty good about keeping players like Manolas, Nangolan, and Strutman uh, after, you know, all this, the things that happened this season? Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Roma gets to be selective here, and uh, you know, I thought I thought that Manolas and Nangolan, Manolas, I, I thought he had a great season, and Nangolan, despite not you know scoring all the goals uh, that he did last season, was uh, you know clearly a dominant presence in the midfield. Pure trash, pure trash. This you know this is a this is a a, a newborn baby's diaper trash on the trashometer. Um, of him not making the Belgium national team. Um, and Strutman, I thought, you know, he had some good games, but I thought, honestly, I thought last season was better. And the X factor in all of this, uh, for me, is is, is what's Monchi going to do? Because Monchi doesn't appear to be a sentimental guy, and if he thinks that he can, you know, sell high on one of these guys right now, Strutman to a team like, you know, maybe enter if he stays in the Serie A or, you know, to a, 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 play, a squad abroad. A squad abroad, um, you know, maybe he's going to do that if he thinks he can uh, uh, get, you know, more value out of a younger player at a lower price. So to me, it's just kind of all up to the machinations of Monchi, who's got a ton, a ton of credibility 
with uh, with the Roma nation these days by because of our deep Champions League wrong and Jengis Under being such a star this year. Yeah, none of these guys are uh, going to be playing in the World Cup, unfortunately. Uh, Nangolan was our best bet there. Uh, you know, certainly he's a warrior for me, so um, he's the kind of guy I want in the midfield. I don't want to see him go. I feel like he can be the next uh, De Rossi almost of just being able to play into his mid to late 30s and just with enough passion that uh, that alone is presence on the field. Um, so I think that counts for something. You want warriors like that. Manolas and Strootman. I mean, Strootman's just been tough with the injuries. Uh, you know, that's a problem. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think it does just come down for Munchie. Can he get good value from him? And I think if you do, then he might be a player you see let go. And uh, Manolas, I don't know. We don't beat Barcelona without Manolas, so I, I can't comment on that one. <laughs> well, also, uh, Roma, I saw stat today. Um, you know, they had the uh, best defensive record away from home this season uh, in Serie A, and they had the best defensive record at home, I think, in the Champions League. I mean, until that Liverpool game, I'm not, I don't think they gave up any goals. So, um, you know, for, the, for those out there, uh, uh, ESPN FC, that think that, Who? Uh, that ESPN FC. Oh, the fake that, in ESPN FC? That think that Roma's defense is absolute garbage. Um, you know, think again. They the the st- statistics are actually against that uh, in many ways. Um, and you know, I think we got to give a lot of credit to uh, Di Francesco here, guys. I mean, he's up for renewal, and he has worked some absolute magic. Lots of question marks this season uh, when it started because a guy like Spalletti, with a ton of experience, is being replaced by a guy who you know, did well with Sassuolo, never really won anything or did anything spectacular. But then he comes to this team as an ex-Roma player and just absolutely changes the culture. I don't know what it was. It's just the team, uh, you know, tactically was was put in the right place at the right times. Yes, there was some mistakes, but, you know, he's a young manager. And I think everybody in Rome is getting behind EDF uh, moving forward into the future. Well, I would correct you on him not having a lot of success. He did take Sassuolo to the Europa League um, and look at what Berardi has or has not done since he's left. But on the other hand, I, I agree. Um, EDF this season, um, that, that whole mentality, like at, there's so many times we were waiting for Roma to pull a Roma. And they did to a certain extent by having you know, somewhat of a midseason slump that knocked him out of Scudetto. But those Champions League performances and some of the other performances of this season where you're expecting Roma to just go, you know, run and hide and, uh, and pull a, a huge choke job. They were up for the challenge and, in my opinion, um, are the team that should be playing in the Champions League final if it wasn't for some absolutely atrocious officiating in that semifinal. If uh, after his run this season he doesn't get a renewal, I, I don't know how anyone gets a renewal. He, he's certainly earned it. Uh, Beating for for the Champions League run alone and securing third spot uh, in Syria, he's he should get renewed. He deserves it. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, on the flip side, Sassuolo, man, you know, really just a disaster season for just about seventy five percent of the time. You know, they didn't get relegated. So when you were dealing with when you're talking about a team like Sassuolo, you know, they stayed alive, and I think they'll be happy with that. You know, chance to regroup over the summer and see. If they can uh, pluck some some young players and and 
and bring some energy back into the team. But, you know, really, it started at the beginning of the season. One point in four games. Uh, you knew that this was going to be a tough one. Berardi was out in the beginning for a long time through injury and then never really showed up when he came back. Uh, and then even during the thick of the season, they went on a nine-game winless streak, which I think is second only to Benevento, or third to Benevento and Udinese uh, for the losing streak. So, again, a couple bright spots. Politano and Acerbi, I think they were good players. Fortunately, I think them and Berardi will probably go this summer. Um, but look, in the end, you have to tip your hat to the hat man himself, Yakini. <laughs> they stayed in Serie A. You know, let's see if he can pull a rabbit under under his hat, and maybe we can actually see what if he has hair or not when he's doing that. So, you know, I think that he's a decent manager, uh, but they just need to regroup. Yeah, credit to them for uh, you know mission accomplished on the on the staying up part. They got decimated, I think, last season uh, from Roma taking most of their players and their coach. Um, but we got to see more from Sassuolo. They were the darlings, and they haven't been good for two years now. We want to see better. They stayed up, mission accomplished. I think that, uh, uh, like you said, they overcame being plundered, including their coach, who we just all gave a a back massage to. Uh, podcast airwaves way um i you know it's it's i i, I would have thought they'd have gone down all right so with that guys we're on to the game of the week this was the fourth game inter versus otfr the battle for fourth place to finish off the season and it finished three to two in inter milan's favor oh no <laughs> i can't do that justice We'll get to the meaning of oh no on this uh, segment. But Spalletti and Inter pull off the season's biggest upset in the Olympico. Tad, take it away for the game of the week. Well, first thing we got to say right now is it's an OTFR meltdown. Uh, they All they needed to do is get a point in this one at home um, for them uh, to advance the Champions League. And, uh, you know, they, they do it uh, in a very uh, OTFR uh, way is you know their their captain Lulich, aka Ratlich, um, gets sent off the double yellow in this one that sets these guys up for uh, uh, for the loss. And uh, because of this meltdown, they get the O oh node. Which um, uh, uh, Chris, I don't know if you want to fill us in into the uh, uh, the significance of the banner raised um, in the Stadio Olimpico um, after OTFR gets uh, uh, missed out in Champions League. Yeah, it goes back to 2010. There was another game uh, between these two teams uh, that that meant a lot going into the end of the season, and and uh, it was put up for sar- sarcastic reasons back then. Uh, and it's just very fitting now. Uh, so there's not a huge backstory to it, but uh, needless to well, say, these two fan bases going at it, uh, uh, it, it was uh, pretty interesting. Well, it just goes to show the long memories that these guys have with each other because that inter-OTFR game in 2010 – um, if OTFR beats Inter, Roma wins the Scudetto. And so there's a huge cry for the, from the Curva Nord to tank this game to keep Roma away from the Scudetto. And when, uh, uh, when uh, uh, Inter scored the goal to go ahead, they put up the banner to be very sarcastically to be like, oh, no. So I love the, the, the foresight of Roma fans on this one to just troll these dudes. You know, somebody had to make that sign and bring it there just, just, just on the off chance 
that you know the miracle for Roma could happen. But uh, uh, it's got to cut deep because OTFR had it in their hands and they let it slip away. You know, guys, where did they go go wrong? Uh, you know, and and lose their top four positioning. Well, I think it's pretty clear that you know the fact that uh, Immobile had been injured for the past couple weeks uh, to a month, you know, getting him off his rhythm. You know, they ended up char- tying Icardi and Immobile as top goal scorer of the league. But you know, a couple about a month ago, you would have thought that Icardi running away with this, even challenging for top goal scorer in Europe. And then to see you know Luis Alberto starting in the bench, I thought he was their X factor this season, and you know that's. That's another hit right there. Uh, you're not, so you're not starting with the, you're you're not s- s- coming into this game probably with a, a fully loaded squad. And then you know Devry was playing. That there was a lot of question marks around there. So you know, and had an awful game too, by the way. He, I mean, who scored gave him five point seven. Yeah, I mean, look, he he had a tough match, but I don't think that he didn't deserve to play because. You know, he's been good for them all season. I don't think he threw the match or anything like that. Again, I think, you know, when you look at, you know, the the, the momentum coming in with certain players being uh, either injured for a while, like Immobile, uh, or not playing as well as they've been all season, uh, Inter just was coming into this, guns a-blazing. And end of the day, it could have gone both ways. So I don't even know where did Lazio go wrong. Damn. It's, it's just the, the end. It's just the way of the game sometimes. Well, yeah, they they're going to be playing Europa this year, and there's all sorts of uh, you know uh, their their coach Inzaghi, uh, you know their their Lolito, uh, their president coming out all all crazy in the season. But this is obviously a a huge gut punch. Um, you know, where do they go from here? Because Immobile has been linked to Milan, um, which, is, you know, is, is, is obviously trash speculation. But Milinkovic-Savic, he's going to want to play in the Champions League next year, especially if somebody's going to pony up 90-plus million for him. I mean, wh- where does OTFR go from here? Europa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. mean... It's. I think like it's just too much. They they have to lick their wounds on this one. It was there for the taking. Var, that's been a saga for them this entire season, actually came out and helped them in this game, uh, on on one of the uh, uh, penalty box call, calls. So, I, I think it's it's just too early. Um, they had a, a quality team, not deep enough, but this just was a mental thing. They 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 lost the lead. They lost their captain in uh, with a red card. So um, it, it's uh, way too soon to be talking about next year for them, I think. Well, I'm going to throw a wrench into the Corp America train here and say I have some optimism for uh, the Bianco Celesti. And it's not because I necessarily want them to do well. But look, I think they're going to get some crazy money for Milinkovic Savic. I think they'll probably sell somebody else as well. I don't think Immobile is going anywhere. Uh, and so with the money from DeVry, meaning Kovic Savic, potentially somebody else, they've always managed to somehow uh, invest smartly uh, in certain players that, you know, you before the season starts, you, you may not know their names. By the end of the season, you're linking them to Manchester United or other big clubs. So I think that, you know, overall the management in, in uh, OTFR – uh, they do a good job of, of finding good players that have high value. And with the amount of money coming in, 
you know, I, I really do think that they're going to be okay moving forward. I, uh, I have a bin at a 100 degree heat at a uh, county fair trash take on this. I think that uh, they end up selling Milinkovic Savage and Immobile. Uh, uh, definitely Milinkovic Savage, and they go out and they buy Fat Boy G Higwin for like 50, 60 million. You heard it here first. That is a hot take right there. <laughs> How about on the other side, guys? So Inter, the victors, they are in Champions League. Let's start off with uh, Ilmister first. The future of Spalletti, mission accomplished, got him in Champions League. What do you guys think? Well, everyone's coming out uh, saying everything that they should be saying right now. Spalletti's coming out saying he feels great at Inter. You know, they did what they did, and Spalletti seems to be walking back some of his uh, – uh, his previous comments, but the owner's son, Stephen Zangs, it's not even his question that he's leaving. So, you know, Spalletti um, and all the positivity around this team, like Tho here is, is saying he wants Champions League semis. Ronaldo is crying out to enter back. Um, and, you know, after six seasons without a Champions League berth, there's so much positivity. I think that, you know, Spalletti is going to want to stay for this team. Well, look, we all know that Spalletti didn't have a hair to lose on his head. Uh, before the season and it's two seasons in a row now last minute last game gets his teams into the champions league so i think that this man's lost all the hair off his arms his eyebrows Uh, i mean i just don't understand how you could withstand the anxiety uh two seasons in a row with massive expectations dealing with the thoughty thing last season and then making Champions League in the final game of both seasons. I mean, look, hats off to Spalletti. Uh, You know, in a way, he has succeeded these last two seasons, and he's been had a pretty successful career overall. Um, But I do think that the team underperformed, and not having had any European competitions, you know, those uh, the expectations were a lot higher uh, for Inter. So. I think that Spalletti needs to reinforce the team. I don't think his job is up in question, um, but it's got to be better from uh, Inter's team. It just needs to be more consistent if you want to come back to the big stage of Europe. Luciano Alapicia. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, mission accomplished so he doesn't have to walk too much back because uh, I don't think there's another team for him to go to after two teams uh, of, of uh, pretty big stature yeah. in Serie A. I don't see how you walk away from Roma and then enter back-to-back seasons. So I think he I, stays. And, and I honestly, guys, I think Inter's very dangerous next year. Uh, they got a lot riding on uh, uh, this season. They give them credit for the beginning. They were the last undefeated team in the Europa, in, in all the top Europe leagues, right? Uh, they had an epic uh, opening to the season. Uh, crashed a little bit, but at the end of the day, like they did pretty well on the season, and they got the Champions League uh, spot. I think they'll make a splash signing this year, and they'll reinforce the team. I think they've been kind of they were snake bit from some of their absolutely awful signings of late. I think they're going to roll the dice on this one, and it's going to be great to see Inter rep in the Serie A um, in the big Champions League next year. But last on this team, guys, is the guy who's going to do it for them. Um, who is going to be featured in the Champions League next year, and that's Mauro Icardi um, with his uh, uh, crazy uh, agent-slash-wife, Wanda, and that uh, crazy lion tattoo on his chest. No Argentina for him, which is uh, pretty much hot garbage as well. 
Um, through uh, Twitter on that. Yeah, a lot of people unhappy with him not making the Argentina World Cup team. Well, how? I mean, how do you leave this guy out? He's Capocannonieri, shares that role, uh, that title with um, with with Chiri Mobile this year. Twenty nine goals in just thirty four games, and this is his third Capocannonieri um, for uh, uh, in the Serie A. And you got to think for a team like Argentina, who basically last World Cup needed uh, Daddy Leo Messi to bail him out. Um, you know, I just I, I don't see how he, how he doesn't make the World Cup team other than uh, there's some pettiness going on in the Argentina uh, uh, national team front office because he beefed with, you know, some mid-table uh, uh, bench warmer uh, met with, with Maxi Lopez. Um, just, just stupid for me. But they're lining up to get him paid. Um, his wife wanted to say that, He's going to get his $100 million clause, but Icardi's saying all the right things, saying he's Inter's number one fan. He's bought a house um, in, in Milan, and he's going to feature for the first time in his career for a streaking uh, Inter squad. I mean, what do you think all this talk is? Is that he just wants a massive contract, or is there any, any chance that he leaves Milan, uh, the Inter side, uh, this summer? Well, look, I think with, with Icardi, I think people might read a little bit too much into this omission from the the Argentina squad. Uh, you know, obviously he's the talisman for Inter, and people might say, "Oh, well, you know, he didn't make the World Cup squad, so maybe he's going to want to go somewhere with more visibility." Uh, no, I think the issue here may be, like you said, Tad, some some issues with Maxi Lopez. Okay, uh, but more uh, more so, I think that. You know, that team revolves around Messi. So, you know, you're kind of judged on how well you can fit on the field when Messi's there. And let's face it, Icardi is kind of the focal point of an attack. He needs the service. He needs uh, people to set him up. And Messi, on you know, Messi, Messi's the focal point for Argentina. We all know that. Uh, now, you know, Iguain's been had, had pressure in the past because he hasn't been able to put away goals you know, uh, once called upon, Cunaguero uh, has had some injury issues, but also kind of similar. You know, you just have to be able to play at the top of your game, knowing that Messi is going to be the center of attention. And unfortunately for Icardi, I don't think that he can do that. Every time I see him play for Argentina, it's uh, it's lackluster. And you know, he's 25, still has time to grow. Um, but again, I think the 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 shadow cast by Messi is a big issue on the Argentina national team where you have potentially five strikers, four or five strikers that should be the star player for a, a bunch of other World Cup teams. But you think there's any chance that he leaves this summer if somebody's you know going to fork out this $110 million release cost? I don't. I don't. I think he loves the system that he's playing in at Inter that's allowed him to score so many goals. And, uh, you know, with these Champions League monies, uh, you know, again, another year of stability in, in Inter, bringing in prob- potentially more talent to the team. I think that Icardi is going to have, uh, you know, there's going to be a carrot on the end of that stick. And Icardi is going to feel like he's on an important team uh, at the age of 25 as a captain. Uh, you know, I think he'll take that. All right. We will see how it ends up with Icardi uh, after the World Cup if he's going to stay with Inter. Up next, guys, our fifth game. Got Europa League implications with it. Milan and Fiorentina. This one finished 5-1. 
Milan come from behind to beat Laviola and are in Europa League. Got to give credit, guys. Milan finishing strong in this one, uh, not only in uh, this game, but also on the season. The game first, I can never say his name right, Calanulu got one here. Catrone got... Uh, that's right. You nailed it. Yeah, pretty close. That's how I, that's how I pronounce it. <laughs> Uh, Katrona got a brace, Kalinic gets one, and Bonaventura gets one as well. Uh, so well represented, completely flipped this game on its head, uh, came from behind to get those goals. Um, so credit to them. Uh, as far as the season goes, Europa's going to help. The team gambled big on making Champions League big for uh, revenues uh, during last summer. Uh, but before we get there, I think you do have to kind of let Milan enjoy this week. That uh, you know, given all they've gone through the pat for the past uh, uh, year, the past 38 weeks, uh, they finished pretty strong. Two two coaches on the year, um, and and then this uh, crazy finish to get to Europa. They fought for this season. I think the Milanisti they should be proud of that, and uh, at least for the effort, they should be proud. Uh, Gattuso as well. He he really turned around the season. So so credit to the club uh, and and the people they put in charge. Well, they but, did make a they did make a charge um, uh, uh, to you know save some sort of face. But you got to remember, this is a team that spent two hundred fifty million in the off season, and uh, Milan is not a team that's a sixth place finishing team. They're 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 one of the biggest clubs in the world. They win seasons, and uh, so you know while they can be proud of that, I think that Milan even getting into the Europa League, uh, their fans are going to be a little down. Dovetails nicely, Ted, because the elephant in the room is the debt. Calcio Finanza, our our friend uh, Stefano Bernardini reporting, Merrill Lynch is managing Milan's debt. They're looking for a minority owner being sought. Uh, t for um, 25% of the holding company, and that money is going to be used to pay back the Elliott Group. So uh, two American companies involved here, uh, but it's not really for ownership just yet of the team. But th there's so much debt involved with these with this team, uh, it's, it's easier to make your head spin. But UEFA, the pressure's mounting. Uh, they came out with a statement today basically saying that Milan has failed financial fair play, and they don't accept the, the uh, maneuvering that they've done to try to stay in line with financial fair play. And so there are going to be ramifications this summer. They are not out of the woods with everything they've done. Um, so we could see new ownership. Yong Hong Lee, uh, apparently it's on the table of him selling his majority stake in the club to balance the books. Um, and so, you know, they, this is kind of developing minute by minute here. The, the UEFA rulings just came out today. I saw the Milan Twitter reacting to that. And, you know, honestly, guys, it doesn't look good for Milan. It doesn't look, look good for the league. Uh, so, so hopefully this gets resolved in the summer. But uh, Europa may be lost after this hard-fought victory for that spot on the table. Uh, Milan may not make it into the tournament. That is a possibility. Well, I, yeah, I think that we used, we were saying that was impossible before, but it looks like the impossible could be possible. Uh, Horncastle tweeted today, uh, per the Republica, that the FIGC has asked Fiorentina, Torino, and Sampdoria to prepare documentation for a UEFA Europa League spot. So that's a little eek. Yeah, uh, and, and certainly, uh, you know, we'll talk about those teams as well. But, man, Milan bowing out like that, that just doesn't look good for Serie A. And yet, with all that news, guys, the transfer markets continue to flourish. 
I saw uh, this week Fellaini out of EPL uh, going to come potentially down to uh, uh, Italy to play. Going to sell Kalinic. Uh, Baca might come back. The whole Donnarumma saga. I mean, there's just too much to, to cover here. Andre all... Silva looks like he's gone. Yeah, but but it's all backstory stuff because it's going to be settling debt. I don't see how they're going to retool and rebuild because uh, they have to settle last summer's uh, like you said, Ted, 250 million euros out there. They got to figure that out so they can compete in the Europa League. Well, look, I don't know so much about these financial things. You know, it makes my head spin. Um, as a fan of Serie A for a long time, I smell a little something in the air. It smells like men's cologne in in, in a uh, steam in a steam room at the at the gym of lifetime. It kind of smells like oh yeah, Berlusconi. He's coming back somehow, some way, and uh, I think you will see him by the end of the summer get involved in this whole issue. It's just a hunch. Uh, I don't have any research that that's tied to that comment. Uh, but look, man, you said it yourself. You know, you're talking about bringing in Fellaini. You're talking about Kalinic going out. I mean, look, these are like these are some third tier level moves, uh, and so obviously they're going to be kicking and scratching a little bit. Donnarumma, that's the big question. Absolutely. You know, let's see where, what happens with him. If they need the money, I think he's really going to be their cash cow, if not Suso. And, uh, you know, and let's Bonucci. Just, and Bonucci. Well, yeah, Bonucci is a little bit older. But, you know, look, let's let's just kind of reflect on the season. They were exciting, you know, and Gattuso, we can all get behind Gattuso he was a warrior. It would be, it's going to be awesome if he stays to see what he does with the team, even if they have to sacrifice some pieces because he just brings that personality. And look, had, it, had they kind of picked up the slack a little bit and won a couple of the games they should have won, I mean, there was some opportunities really for them to climb up the table when Milan, uh, Inter Milan, uh, OTFR, and Roma at that uh, we're slipping up through the end of the season uh, in a couple weeks where p- teams were tying and, and stuff like that. So overall, you know, unfortunately, they might get hit with this this financial fair play stuff. But, you know, the overall, the season was positive, I think, for them. So we'll see. A lot of uh, questions to uh, uh, figure out here with Milan. Enjoy it while you can, guys. But uh, there, there's just it's all coming back uh, pretty quick here with financial fair play. One well, of the I, I will say, but let me just throw in one last thing here, Chris. What's going to happen to this team in the summer? I can call it. If, if, if Marco's uh, uh, Austin, Texas pavement hot take, uh, I think what's going to happen this season in the summer is my favorite Korean hip hop song, Whoopin' Fire Sale. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, I tried. <laughs> One of the teams that is uh, preparing for potentially playing in Europa by default, uh, as Tad mentioned, is Fiorentina. They were on the other side of the ball in this one. We're uh, really just going to talk about their season. Uh, they, they missed Europa, maybe not, uh, but the emotions of this season, I think, is what you got to focus on for, uh, for Florence here. It's almost too much. Got to remember, guys, fans were walking out of Curva Fiesole. Then we had the tragic loss of Davide Astori, the reaction to his death from Florence, La Viola, Syria, and even the world. I mean, we certainly felt it here in the States. And the inspirational list of victories thereafter as a result of people reacting to, to losing their captain. It's, it, for me, guys, it's a moment in stories like that that you, 
soccer is really, you know, I, I follow a lot of sports, I'll admit that, but soccer just gets in your blood and it, it's just a different feel that, you know, those types of stories are why, like, it's, it is a, just a game, but for whatever reason, it, get, it matters more, the, the whole saga of it all. Uh, and that, that really, Davidea's story's uh, passing really kind of got to me like that. For the team itself, uh, Ilmister, Pioli, he already set a new objective here. It's to build on this season's foundation and get to Europa next year. 75% of the club is expected to return next year, which was not the case last summer. So they really could build on something and, and really challenge for Europa if they're not already in it. The guy who scored a goal in this one, guys, Simeone, we will see if he comes back. But I'd say if you're Fiorentina, you got to feel pretty positive right now after this season uh, as far as the, the team goes. And have everybody hide behind a camouflage screen if any Inter people come and start sniffing around uh, uh, your practice facility. Yeah. Yep. Agreed with that. So we will see how Fiorentina uh, keeps their players and uh, whether they challenge or if they're already in Europa. Guys, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then finish off the rest of week 38 here. Um, we'll be right back. Up first after the break is Atalanta and Cagliari. Only took me two seasons to get that word right. This one finished 1-0 in Cagliari's favor. They're taking no chances and winning against a Europa hopeful Atalanta squad. Marco, go ahead. Yeah, Cagliari's safe, but absolutely a season to forget. I mean, they did not have a good season. Uh, we saw them come up from B last season, and we said it all along. You know, this is probably a Serie A squad. It's a Serie A town, um, and they had a couple bright spots as well this season. And Barella, uh, you know, after giving up Marco Borriello, we all were wondering, you know, like, man, where's this, where's, you know, where's the sexiness on this team? Where's it going to come from? And Barella is the answer. They're, uh, they're young, clean-shaven looking young man, uh, you know, really just stepping up and, and playing like a, uh, just just an, an international on a team that is, again, just was subpar all season. Diego Lopez comes on halfway through and, uh, you know, injects the team with a little bit of uh, of a little bit of will. But overall, man, they just barely made safety. Glad they did because there were some other teams that we thought deserved to go down instead of them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, definitely a season to forget for, for Cagliari. Um, they need to do something, rearrange in the offseason, because this is a squad that if the bottom of the table wasn't so weak for so long, they, you, they could very easily see them go down. And how about for Atalanta, guys? Uh, their season, pretty happy with it, I'd say. Uh, Atalanta enjoying 27-2018? Uh, Absolutely, and not just them. You know, I think they were another... Um, you know, symbol of, of Serie A's uh, reawakening. Because here's a team that, you know, has a pretty small stadium, all things considered, but an amazing atmosphere. I mean, when we interviewed our friend Keith Tabaznik, the former Georgetown coach, he, he currently takes his youth players and he goes and, and, and observes the Atalanta Youth Academy, which is world-renowned. And he says that it's one of the best Serie A atmospheres out there. So, you know, to hear that was really was really just got me excited and then just seizing, seeing them take down Everton and just absolutely demolish them uh, in Europa League 
followed by a almost uh, successful route, run at uh, Dortmund, knocking Napoli out of Coppa Italia. Big wins against Milan and Roma throughout the season. I mean, let's just say it. You know, they may have not gotten back into Europa, but they are showing that Serie A is deep. Yeah, the the they no shame in them not making Europa this year, which I don't understand why FIGC isn't asking them to try and get into Europa uh, for, per the La Pubblica Court because report because that's the next team to come in there. But an absolute joy of a team to watch, you know, a, a fiery fan base uh, when they're not. <laughs> doing some things they shouldn't sometimes. Um, I think that they just showed they weren't afraid of anybody, and uh, they're planning on being right there every year. Youth Academy Factory, love to see Ladea this season challenge for Europa. One of my favorite mid-table teams, guys. I'm so happy that they're back in Europa. I hope they go far again. Baila Komil Papu. Uh, Glad to see it all. And speaking of, of, of the youth, you know, Caldara and Spinazzola, they might be coming out. Spinozola, again, I mentioned was injured, but they still have Petagna, Ilicic. I mean, they got the players and Gasperini. Where does he go from here? That'll be a, a big question. But overall, guys, uh, I think we're all on Team Atalanta and uh, looking forward to seeing what they'll be able to do over the summer for next season. Yep. Hat tip to both the coaches there. For Cagliari, Diego Lopez uh, got to keep his guys up. And Gasparini, uh, the curva loves him. They, they did their TIFO for him last week. So, uh Job well done for both the coaches uh, in this game. Up next, Torino and Genoa. This one finished 2-1 in Torino's favor. Torino, enjoy it. They got three points here. Todd, Ted, tell us about the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone. Torino got three points. Woohoo! Uh, you know, 2-1, Torino over Genoa victory. Who really cares? Um, but, you know, Torino, can we consider their season success? They finish in 10th place. Um, they fire the fiery Bobby Knight Biha um, for the uh, 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 for uh, Alec Hoffman, aka Matt Sari. Um, you know, it would, do you guys think that was an improvement at coach? Mahalovic will always have my vote. Uh, he was fun uh, to to watch on the sidelines, and and the quotes after in the press conference were uh, a, a lot of fun. So uh, I'm staying with him. I mean, it, it's hard to tell. You know, it's hard to say. Ted, I have to correct you a little bit. They did end up level with Sampdoria at 54 points, but they actually had the goal differential, so they were ended up in ninth. Uh, but look, when it comes to Mazzari, did he do a better job than Miha? I think they were basically in the same position. Maybe they were on a bit of a downward slump with Mihailovic, and there was a lot of drama with Miha. Uh, so I think a little bit more time to tell whether Mazzari was a smart move for the club. But, I mean, let's also point out that this was the only game, I think, this weekend that had no implications. So that just kind of goes to show you what these two teams have done throughout the season, that they're just uh, bland as vanilla. Yeah, they have some firepower on this team. Iago Falke finishes with 12 goals and 8 assists. Belotti in a shortened um, injury-plagued season finished with 10 goals and 4 assists. Adam Jajic, 6 goals and 10 assists, I think, for them going forward. They just need to, you know, scab another playoff run, and maybe they can finish in eighth next year. Uh, Genoa, on the other hand, tough season. You know, they they finish, uh, they lose five out of their last six. This is a team that just, I think, really was uninspiring. Uh, you know, only 36 goals on the entire season. They have no firepower. Um, 
with Lapidula uh, uh, leading the team with only six goals. And uh, the biggest news outside of uh, Curve America loving that Giuseppe Rossi might be the guy that provide that firepower is it looks like their best player, their goalie, uh, Padin, wants out and he wants to go to Juve. I mean, w- what do you guys think about Genoa this year? Yeah, not much to you know celebrate. Uh, I'd say uh, they were the lesser team in Genoa there with Sampdoria kind of taking the reins from them, I thought. Um, but, yeah, the highlight for me was seeing Giuseppe Rossi come back, scored a couple goals for him. Um, I'll mention, too, Serie A just did an uh, interview with him, uh, kind of a spotlight interview uh, on, on him growing up in New Jersey. Um, uh, so that was cool. That was really my highlight for following Genoa. Yeah, Genoa, another one of those teams that you want in the Serie A because Genoa is a beautiful city, and I can attest to that. And they have an awesome rivalry with Sampdoria in a beautiful stadium. So, you know, tough season, uh, but they'll lick their wounds. And uh, Giuseppe Rossi, man, that is a highlight right there. Him getting back up to, uh, you know, full health. And uh, let's see what he does with hopefully a full summer under his belt. All right. Up next, we've got that other team from Genoa, Sampdoria. They took on Spall and lose. Spall took this one 3-1. Spall taking care of business on the final match day and absolutely earn it. They're staying up in Serie A. Uh, guys, we'll start with them. Uh, we're just talking about what feels like Borriello coming in uh, from Cagliari at the beginning of the season. And now here we are at the end. And Spall's staying up, unfortunately, not because of Borriello's effort. Kind of whimpered here throughout the season. Uh, didn't see much of him. Another guy who kind of took the helm from uh, uh, Borriello was Antonucci. He got a brace in this one. I would say probably their best player on the season after reflecting. Seems like we talked about him more than anybody for Spall. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, best player for them this season? Well, that beard uh, takes on all comers. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'm, I'm going to go with that one. He finishes with 11 goals and seven assists. Um, you know, the, definitely the biggest bright spot for a team that uh, that took it to uh, uh, their opponents every single week. Tad, I got a challenge for you uh, to look like Mirko Antonucci next Halloween, man. This guy, I mean, if you're not aspiring to that beard, you can at least come close to it. You just got to put a little wax on it and uh, and spread it. Spread it a little wide because he's got... Oh, he's man, got that shape. He's, it's got, some, he, it's yeah. got the shape and it's the hair too. I mean, he just looks like a gladiator. And uh, 33 years old. You know, I actually thought he was much younger. Um, but it just makes me like him even more uh, because he is just a seasoned warrior. And, uh, you know, I know I'm drooling a lot over Antonucci, but did I mention how amazing his beard is, guys? Yes, you did. I want to mention, though, guys, we're, we're talking about uh, the aesthetics here. Uh, Antonucci's beard, give him credit. But my biggest highlight for Spa was those puffy shirts straight out of Seinfeld midseason to celebrate their, their anniversary. Those, that's the biggest thing I remember from Spa this season. They're going to be back next year, so I think I can't remember who picked them, but uh, uh, Crotone's loss, Spa's victory, they get to stay up. Yeah, and those puffy shirts, it looks like they should have just all came out playing fiddles uh, uh, and having the three-quarter length uh, uh, pants. Yeah. I picked them, and I have a Mirko Antonucci tattoo on my back now. All right. <laughs> Might be a jersey for you to purchase in the offseason. I already purchased it. Good for you. The puffy shirt? Everything. Oh, everything. Good for you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, the other side of the ball, guys, Sampdoria. My highlight will continue to be so. 
Il Presidente, Ferrero. He will forever be a joy to cover here for this podcast. Do you guys remember midseason when he was talking about his players are like women running off with the stable boy, basically alluding to how his players always go to bigger clubs? He's back on that analogy on this one. He believes Il Mister Giampaolo is going to come back, but when he's talking about players like Torreira, his quote post-game, this one's from Marco, Players leaving? It's not like keeping horses in a stable. I'm not a stable boy. I think Torreira is going to leave. It's time for him to fly away, but everyone else will stay. Sampdoria are one of the best clubs for raising youngsters, but once they grow, we sell them to big teams in England, Germany. We wonder if people are noticing. End of quote. So uh, back on the stable boy references for Il Presidente, guys. What do you think about that for Sampdoria and their season overall? Well, I mean, is he, was he Wesley from uh, uh, from Princess Bride? As you wish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, w- you know, with Sampdoria, they've had some of the most exciting youngsters coming out, and he's been able to cash in on that and reinvest in his youth. So I don't understand why he's, why he's complaining about basically following the business model that Sampdoria has 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 had for the you know since time immemorial. I love Ferrero. I love, well, more than I love Ferrero, I love uh, the prototype of him uh, as a as a uh, as an owner in Serie. A. You know, it's just the kind of fiery uh, ownership that we like to see, and uh, it's all part of the story uh, that we call Serie. A. Absolutely. So, uh, looking forward to more quotes from him uh, <laughs> until next season. But uh, man, Stable Boys making an appearance in the podcast in Serie A this past year. Up next, guys, we've got Udinese and Bologna. This one finished 1-0. This one finished 1-0. Udinese, another team that was playing for salvation to totally redeem themselves and ever so slightly do so because they won their last two games of the season. Marco, go ahead. But do they really, Chris? I mean, did you write that? (laughs) Udinese (laughs) Udinese go back to the drawing board. Uh, this summer, man, because yeah, I feel like we're saying this about a bunch of teams, and it's true. Serie has been, you know, showed its strength this season, but I think it really just you can section Serie out into five major chunks. You know, you got Juve, Napoli up top, Roma, Inter, and OTFR. They were the second tier. Milan, Atalanta fighting for Europe, Europe, but everyone else in between there was suspect. Of course, Benevento on a planet all of its own. Uh, everyone else in that middle category, they need to look in the mirror and say, you know, is this the type of team that we want to be just like barely making it on the final day and hoping that a, a team that is a little worse than us saves us uh, through a poor result? Uh, again, everyone thought Aldo was the savior when he came in, uh, but a 15-game unwinless un- uh, streak uh, towards the end there you know, it just it just goes to show that Udinese not good enough. And speaking of not good enough, Bologna. Uh, it's so, sad to say, team meets us uh, season summarized in the last game here, uh, losing to Udinese. Uh, you know, and it seemed like they played decent against some of the bigs, but you can't lose against these terrible teams uh, in in Serie A and expect to be you know considered a good team. Team meets us ends up just a a spot outside of the danger zone leading into the last game and uh really nothing to really be too proud of at the end here they're probably going to lose simone verdi as well 
I would say the way these two teams played the last 10 to 15 weeks of the season, I cared less about their games than I did the Royal Wedding. <laughs> All right. Not much to say else on that. Uh, just a tough, tough. Uh, I'd say the highlight for me would be uh, Marco's passion for Bologna. Uh, I enjoyed following that all season. We will finish off week 38 and this season's podcast with Chievo and Benevento. Oh, man. This one finished one nothing. Benevento let the Serie A door hit them where the good Lord split them by the geriatric donkeys. Tad, take it away. Tough one to go out on. Yeah, they, uh, the Chievo geriatric donkeys secure staying up 18,000 people. Turn up to the Bentagodi to watch Kievo win their third in a row. And uh, for all of them, one last Bobby Englishine before he dips uh, off to uh, uh, Napoli. And Kievo this season, I mean, I think all of us, same with the same sentiment, same as the legendary uh, Dick Whittle, 36 goals in 38 games. 12 of these goals are for Bobby English, who will play for Napoli next season. You know, they have a 4,000-year-old goalkeeper. Um, you know, it's just, just super uninspiring. They're going to need a good transfer or to have their young 23-year-old Stepinski step up at center forward or at forward with uh, him scoring the second most goals with five this season. You know, they still have some talent in Lucas Castro and Birsa, but it's basically just to uh, it's been to make sure that they don't get absolutely whomped by everybody. Um, you know, I, 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 there's, just, there's just nothing all that positive I can say about this team. And their 4,000-year-old goalkeeper had his best game this season against Roma when we lost to them. So I don't, I don't know if you guys have anything on the donks. No, just hoping for more next year. Uh, tenth place, I hope, isn't good enough. Um, look, their, their crosstown rival went down. If you don't show anything better, I'm frankly hoping that you're going to end up in B just like them next season. Well, yeah, I think we are kind of <laughs> rooting for a steady B uh, mega clash there, but you know, I think uh, since we're at the end of the pod of the last pod of the season, let's uh, let's pick up the spirits a little bit. You know, uh, let's talk about Benevento. Honestly, Benevento. We, I, I, I say, you say that in jest, but they're fun, man. They, they really they gave it their all. They won their final game in front of their home crowd. I really am going to miss Benevento. So long and thanks for all the magic spells, Benevento. I uh, hope to see you next year. Absolutely. You know, they gave us some beautiful memories this season and they look, they fought and yeah. And I'm interested to see where players like Diabate end up because uh, again, I think there was some decent performances coming out of the the squad Uh, in the end. They just didn't have enough uh, for a a true serious uh, Serie A campaign. Yep. So hopefully they do uh, uh, a solid run in Serie B and get back up. Forza Strege. Until next uh, season, uh, that will be the last time I utter those words. I'm sorry to say it. All right, guys. That does it. Well done. Season 2 for Curve America in the books. Serie A is finished until next August. Guys, it was a pleasure. We actually have a lot of fun this summer because even though Italy's not involved and neither is the U.S., there is a World Cup going on and there is an International Champions Cup, the most important European Cup played on this side of the Atlantic, returning to our uh, borders uh, this summer. So we're going to have a lot of fun uh, in the summer for sure. But we will be taking a break. We uh, really appreciate everyone listening for our second season. Guys, anything you want to close out with? 
Uh, please subscribe, rate, and comment. Thanks for everything. Thanks for tuning in, Curve Americans. It's been yet another pleasure. Yep, guys. Serie is growing. It's growing in the States. It's growing all around the world, and we saw it this season. Uh, just top to bottom, uh, this season, the this league has just grown uh, in terms of strength. So looking forward to seeing what happens next season. Uh, it's going to be another run for the title, I, I think, and, and for the, all the spots below. Um, really excited, and thanks for everyone for listening. Love ya. Oh, and I'm, I have to throw in one more thing. Forza Roma. All right. Forza Roma. I will just leave it with Crotone's social media message. Ragazzi, arrivederci. Arrivederci. <laughs> ciao, 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 ciao. Ciao.